you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. As we have taken our break for the Holy Week with Passover and Easter, we are back to our passages in Ephesians chapter 4. If you are reminded, the Apostle Paul deals with the doctrine in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, and then he shifts to the application of it in chapters 4 through 6. And Hugh Davis reminded us a couple weeks ago that we are the ministers and that we are to be growing, not like little children being tossed back and fro. And so Paul continues to teach us by telling us not to live lives of duplicity. And here's what that means. We, we know of people who say one thing, but their lives say something completely different when we uh, either see them or have an experience with them. We know of people who've had great ministries around the world who had secret lives and ended up destroying a lot of their ministries because uh, they didn't have someone holding them accountable or there was a duplicity. We know this kind of even with famous stories. We remember Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And so we know that this comes from some real people in real life, and they don't know exactly if it was Eugene Chantrell, a, a man from France. Um, some people think it was Deacon William Brody. Deacon William Brody was someone who was a custom cabinet maker and was a part of the bourgeois in, the, in Edinburgh. And so he would go out and he would do all these great things during the day, and then he would go out and make a copy of the keys. And then at night he would go in and steal from those same patrons so that he could go out and take care of his gambling addiction. And then the two mistresses and the five children that he had all on the down low. And so what comes about is this story of Mr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, this duplicity that happens. And so the Apostle Paul is looking to us in the Scripture, and he's saying to us, that cannot be so. If you are a Christian, your talk should match your walk. And so we're going to look at verses 17 through 24 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. For they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And this is due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to your word, it is through Christ and him alone that we know that which is true. So, Father, where we are delinquent, you teach us where we are mindless in regards to the knowledge of the truth. Lord, you fill us with your truth. But, Lord, more than anything, that you truly would give us a grasp and understanding of the newness of the gospel message that we need to preach to ourselves every day. Lord, you change us. You change us into righteousness and holiness. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to look at this from two perspectives. What is the old life that Paul has warned us about, and then the new life that we find in Christ? 
And so the old life is going to be in verses uh, 17 through 19. Now, I want you to kind of begin to, to look at what is this Gentile walk that Paul's talking about. And I want you to look at it from this perspective, because a lot of times perspective gives us an enhancement to what is truly going on. And so what is the difference between a historian and someone who is a veteran? Well, a historian is someone who looks at the evidence and presents scholarship. A veteran is someone who has identity and authenticity. So sometimes you can get different stories. You can get different perspectives. You can get different reactions from a historian who tells about something and then a veteran who actually went through it. But the part that both should be looking for is accuracy. What is the accurate thing that is going on, whether it's the one engagement or the war as a whole? Are they really presenting the things that are true? And so Paul is presenting to Christians, the Gentile Christians in Ephesus, this understanding of don't walk like you originally used to. Why? Because he says if you live the way that you used to, you have to remind yourselves that you had empty lives. And your lives at that point were about eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's something that we're told about in the Old Testament and New Testament. Isaiah 22, verses thir- at verse 13. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And then also, whoops. Whoop, whoop. And behold, uh, and behold, joy and gladness, killing oxen and slaughtering sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It's, it's not a new concept. If we walk according to the flesh, if we walk according to the, new, to the old life that we had, we are looking to live for ourselves. Our self becomes the foundation for truth and belief. Now how scary is that when the finite begins to judge the infinite? I mean, just think about yourself. Have you ever had a situation where you thought, hey, I, I know this is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know this to be true. And you fight for it as if it is true, only to find out that you are completely wrong. Now, move that out in regards to eternal things. Why would we think that we as finite individuals have figured out and therefore we become the the foundation of what we think is true. See, the Apostle Paul tells us very clearly that there are three things that are happening in regards to the old man. The first thing is they had darkened minds. The second thing is they get hardened hearts and then they practice impurity. So we're going to try to unpack this a little bit. So the first thing they had is darkened minds. And I want you to understand that people act as they think. Now, there might be people who really have knowledge. People can be well-educated. They can even be brilliant. They can have lots of information and still be totally lost to that which is true. And so what happens then is when we try to find out our own uh, foundations, our own truth, we then begin to try to maximize our glory. So everything becomes about us. It's about my success. It's about my happiness. It's about my wealth, my pleasure. Everything's about me. And so if it impacts other people, well, then so be it. That's why sometimes vows in marriage are now just simply suggestions. 
It doesn't matter. You're not promising anymore. You're not saying upon pains of death. You're saying, hey, if it's convenient, if I still like you, if I still want to be with you, well, then maybe we can make it 25 years. See, there's this thing that's going on where, again, as we try to, to, to maximize our glory, we begin to do uh, suppressing the truth. Turn in Romans chapter 1. Looking at verse 18, and then through the rest of the chapter, but I'm just going to read just a few verses. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness in men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and all things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And in their foolishness hearts, their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And then listen. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served their creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And so God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, maliciousness, evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree and those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. This is what happens when we become the standard. Everything that is good and right finds itself being thrown out the window. And so we find ourselves going and going after our own desires, our own passions. And let me ask you a question. Which is the more loving parent? The one who disciplines or the one who allows his child to go after the passions of his heart? It's the one who finds discipline. And so the thinking of the people was darkened. And they began to think of themselves, they began to suppress the truth that they found um, around them, and they see it every day. I mean, all we have to do is go to the beach, right? All we have to do is to see a sunset. We have to see the, the intricacies, that we can go to uh, the Britons and see how bees make honey. We can see God in all these little things, and the big things. And yet we still want to go after the things that we think makes us happy. So our minds become darkened, and when our minds become darkened, it begins to harden our hearts. And what happens is there's a spiral of sin. And it says, according to Paul, remember he says, we begin to worship the creation, not the creator. So again, everything is about me. And so when everything becomes about me, truth again becomes suggestions. And so we find ourselves no longer confessing or repenting of sin, 
And sin actually becomes easier because we begin to, to cover it up and it becomes easier for us to do it. Don't believe me? Think of uh, King David, remember? King David was supposed to be at a war, but he's not at war, he's at home. He's not supposed to be up looking at other women bathing on top of their roofs, but he does. But then he doesn't stop there, he goes and inquires and brings her in. And then he sleeps with her. And then he has a child, well then he has to cover it up. So what does he do? He brings home this man who's committed to him. And he tries to cover it up that way, but he won't, he won't sin for his king. So what do you have to do? He has to murder. It just becomes easier and easier to sin. And it's that deep, deep spiral. And when sin becomes easier, what happens is it becomes a, a callousness. But it's easy to throw stones at King David and we can look at him and go, well, that's bad. But I'm not that way. Let me give you a real life story illustration. So I went fishing with someone um, recently. And so uh, we went out. And so I go to a, a specific place. So I know the place. I know the, the contours of the, the land. I know what kind of fish are out there. I know what kind of bait to bring. I have a good reel. I know what kind of line. I know all these kind of things. And so, you know, I'm out there fishing. So I'm the one who should catch the fish, right? But I'm out there with someone who's not even paying attention. They put a, a shrimp on their line. They drop it down right in front of the, the dock, which is, you know, who does that? So they drop the, the line in front of the dock, and they're not even paying attention. They don't even have the reel and rod in their own hand. They just have it on the dock. And, and all of a sudden, I can see the fish come up and eating their thing, and the rod's starting to go towards the water. I'm just like, hey, a fish is on. Oh, really? Zip. They catch a fish. My, mine still hasn't done anything. But I'm the fisherman. I've done everything right. So not only that, but then I, I tell him, oh, you know, you need to throw it out there and you need to do these kind of things. Just follow my lead. And he's just chucking it out there. And then he's like reeling it in. And I'm just like, oh, you, you got to be, we're catching small fish. You, you got to do it gently. Zing! He pulls, he pulls in another fish. He ends up getting 11 fish to my one. 11 seemingly knowing nothing. Here's the thing. We begin to lose that sensitivity. We think we have figured it out. I thought I was the fisherman, and God says, you're not very smart. So we can be thinking we're doing everything right. We could be doing everything according to the world's way. And yet God says, I'm the one who's in control. Jeff, you, you think you understand fishing. I'm the one who provides the fish. See, when that happens, that spiral of sin starts to cause calluses upon our heart. So what happens is, it's not that we hate truth. We just don't care anymore. One pastor said it used to be that you would, you would be lost, you would have a conversion experience, and then you would repent, and you would go on to sanctification. He goes, it seems today that it's you're lost, you repent, and you're done. See, people don't name sins, and what happens is it allows us to become hardened. And we build up calluses. True life example, I would love to play the guitar. 
would love to play the guitar. And I've bought many a guitar to sit in my room and not be played. But my daughter lovingly says, well, here's what I'm going to do for my dad. I'm going to give him a video game where he can learn. And so what you have to do is you have to connect the guitar to the video game. And so it has to make sure that it's communicating effectively. So I'm sitting there in my room and it's like, strum louder, strum harder, strum harder. So I'm strumming. Now, first of all, I'm not smart because I didn't have a pick. So as I'm strumming and I'm strumming harder and harder and harder, what do you think I was doing to my finger? Yeah, nice piece ripped right off. Ah, this is stupid. Whoever wants to play the guitar? Who are those who play the guitar? Those who get calluses. <laughs> they learn, and what happens is it becomes desensitized. And that's a lot of times what happens with our sin nature. We become desensitized, and so we don't even recognize that our sinful nature is running after things. And when that happens, it says that we begin to practice impurity. And so what happens is we begin to compromise how far we can go. So that's where we start asking those questions. How far can I go in this sin? Not does this glorify and honor God by what I'm doing. Why do I begin to ask the questions? Can I really write this off on my taxes? Is it really stealing if I bring this home from work? How far can I go? We should be asking the question, is God glorified by my behavior? And the Apostle Paul says it's all manners of unrighteousness, both the things that we know, but there's also sins that we're not even aware of. And so we begin to compromise. There's the story of the USS Indianapolis, and the USS Indianapolis is known uh, for a couple of things in history. One is it was the battle cruiser that took uh, the remnants of the uh, bomb that we dropped on Japan. So as it was coming back, though, what it's really known for by most people is that the USS Indianapolis was hit by torpedoes and blown up. 900 sailors went into the water. Only three, a little over 300 survive. Now, why do they survive? There's a lot of things that went wrong, but one of the things I want you to know is some people died because they started to drink the salt water. It looked so clear, it looked so refreshing that they began to drink the salt water. And then when they were told, don't drink the salt water, what does it do? It makes you thirsty. So what do they continue to do? Drink more. So it's this compromise, this thing that we're not even, this illusion of the sin that we're not even aware of sometimes. And we find ourselves following after it. And when we follow it after it, sometimes we think, hey, it's not a big deal because we're almost innocent. C.S. Lewis gives this quote, we convince ourselves that the remnants of sin in our lives are not really dangerous and that almost innocent is safe enough. So we begin to compromise and we start saying things like this. Nobody's going to get hurt if I look at these pictures. Nobody's going to get hurt or nobody needs to know that I've, I've taken some money from the company, but it's not really that bad. Really, I can stop at any time. This really isn't a concern for me. Many ministries have been destroyed by such disbelief. See, what happens is that Jesus 
sometimes for people, it just becomes a savior. He doesn't become their Lord. And so the Apostle Paul wants to warn us. Because for a lot of us, it's too easy to compartmentalize our lives. And I know for some of you, that part of the passage was hurtful. It's hurtful to remember our past. But what it leads to us is this understanding that we can have life in Christ. And the Apostle Paul says, you have learned Christ. Look at your scriptures. That's how he he says it. You've learned Christ. Now again, we have to remind ourselves that we have wicked hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 is very clear. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's desperately sick. It's not just the actions of sin. It's our whole nature that's messed up. That's why we can um, find ourselves in the midst of things and, and I can be all, all Jesus and everything. Be like, hey, come on in. Jesus loves you. Great to have you here. Now, what about the guy that comes in after he's been uh, out there doing wheelies in our yard and stuff like that? And he goes, hey, I just want you to know is the one out there doing the wheelies. Really? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to go out there and replant that grass blade by blade. Why? Because I have a sin nature. So we can go, all of us can go from, hey, I I really want to, to love you and accept you until life happens. So we get this perspective that, again, we have this desire in our hearts, it's like that piece of clothing that your wife keeps telling you, hey, you need to throw this away because it's, it's old, it's ripped, it's stained, it's holy, but it's what? It's comfortable. Oh, I don't want to get rid of this. This is the most comfortable shirt I have. It's disgusting. Nobody wants to be around you with it. I'm not asking anybody to. See, when we look at that, the truth about ourselves has to match up with the truth about Jesus. Because he tells us this has to be in Christ. Now again, it's not just head knowledge. It's talking about a relationship knowledge. We learned Christ. It's intimate and ongoing. Again, all of us can have uh, facts about each other. But how many of us are really intimate with one another, growing in relationship with one another? See, that's when it gets hard. That's when truly the rubber hits the road. When you have to deal with the failings and the shortcomings. But when we're in Christ, it brings about clarity. See, it's just like those Bose headphones that you get. Now again, I'm a cheapskate, so I'm usually along the Walmart $5 headphone kind of things. And I go, hey, these work. What's the big deal? Right until the time that someone says, try these. Oh. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us to do with Jesus. Because when we have clarity, when we put on the, the headphones, it begins to amplify the sound. The purity and clarity of who Jesus is should be coming more and more evident to who we are. And when that happens, it also excludes outside noises. It removes the distractions. Has anybody but me have a a problem dealing with the the, um, lies of Satan? You're not worthy. You're not good enough. 
Everybody hates you. Nobody cares about you. And someone says a statement, you're just like, Satan's just like, see? Told you. See, we've got to cancel the noise. And when we begin to have that clarity, then listen, we find ourselves in full enjoyment of Jesus. Have you really found enjoyment in Jesus? And do you really understand how much he loves you? How much he cares for you? What he did with his own son for you? But when we begin to grasp that, then what happens is Paul tells us, again, three things. Put off the old self, renew your mind, and find yourself in the likeness of God. So the put off. Remember, this is a battle. We are still sinful people. Listen, if you cut a rattlesnake's head off, you decapitate it. Do you pick up the head of the snake? No. Why? It can still bite. Even though it's dead, that thing can still bite. It can still kill you. And a lot of times we think that sin's not a big deal. We think that if we can figure out the formula, if I push just the right buttons, if I come to Sunday school, if I come to church, if I have a prayer group, if I give my money, if I get all this, then my kids are going to be raised and they're going to become Christians. If I press all the right buttons, then God owes me. If I press all the right buttons, then I'm going to be holy. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Maybe we find ourselves too scared to reveal who we really are to God and to one another. Now listen, I'm not saying that reveal who you truly are with everybody. But does someone in this church specifically know the real you? And if you can't say yes, then there's a problem. A problem on both sides. We need to be better about inviting other people into our lives, but we also have to be freer by telling people about our lives. Because we live in extremes because there are people who feel like they don't struggle with sin. I don't have a problem with this. Sin doesn't bother me. Listen, we've dealt with, I've dealt with someone in my past who found themselves in the midst of having an affair, multiple affairs, and the response was, well, I understand grace better than you. So what you're saying is I have to go out and have an affair so that I might grasp and understand how good God is to me? Remember the Apostle Paul says, by no means. And yet that's where some people live. Hey, I just live in grace, man. I'm all forgiven. You cheapen grace at that point. But what we also don't do is we don't, is she okay? We need to call. We're, we're going to pray for Miss Joan. Heavenly Father, we do pray for Miss Joan. Lord, as we walk, this is what it means to be family, Lord, that um, we don't keep doing what we're doing normally just to, to get things done, but Lord, we love one another. And so, Father, you know our love for Miss Joan, but we ask that you would be comforting her right now that you'd already be fixing the thing that would be wrong 
Lord, we pray for the medics that will be coming. Lord, we just pray that we as a church, again, would cry out to you on her behalf. Lord, that we would love the way that Christ loves. And Father, that you would, again, restore her to good health, Lord. This is, again, someone that we love very dearly, is close to our hearts. And so, Father, in a very selfish way, Lord, we would ask that you would heal her very quickly. And Lord, that you would bring her again, to good health. Lord, be with all those that would be involved with her care. And Lord, may we truly give her into your hands, for that is the safest place for us to be. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Sweet lady. Now she she feels embarrassed. How do you finish? What Paul is telling us, again, it connects. Miss Joan is a, is a great example of someone who has been renewed in her mind, who has gone through the battle and the struggles. I mean, here's a sweet, sweet lady who's lost a son and a husband all within this past year, who just had her daughter here and had to go back up to Atlanta. And so here she is um, struggling. And being honest, she's being honest with us of saying she feels alone a lot of times now. She's trying to get back into life and she's pushing herself and we need to be the church that comes around, around her and loves on her. She loves to go to Chick-fil-A just to let you know, get her a chicken sandwich, love on her. But all of this drives us again asking the question of, do we look like Jesus? Do we have the ability to have the likeness? Do we put on him? And if we do, then it's all to his glory. Because we are about righteousness and holiness. And let me finish with Brian Chappell's quote. He says, we discover that the greatest potential and joys of our humanity is when we live most as God made us to be, like him. That's his call to us. That's the call from the Apostle Paul. Put off the old self. Put on the new, because you are in Christ and live to his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we, we come before you, and Lord, We do pray for our beautiful sister and mother. And Lord, I know there are many people in this room that love Miss Joan, that have been in her home, that have invited her her into their homes, that have been with her at the funeral home and at places and hospitals and trips down to Miami. But Father, with all of that, You are the one who loves her more than we could ever dream and imagine. So into your capable hands, Father, do we give Miss Joan, knowing that Jesus Christ loved her before the foundation of the world. And he loves her with an everlasting love, a perfect love, and a love that was shown in the life of Jesus Christ upon the cross and then his raising from the dead. 
So Father, call all of us to live as followers of Jesus Christ. That we would put off the old self and put on the new. And we would follow you to give you all glory and honor and righteousness and holiness. For this we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen.